three, two, one. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Welcome to a raw and unedited version of the Macro Cap. Today we speak to my coach Dean about why he started lifting, how competing has affected his mental state, and why he started coaching. What's going on guys? Welcome back to another episode of Macro Cap. Today I'm joined by none other than my coach Dean Nolan. Hello everybody. Now usually I'd run on a bit of a tangent especially about Dean because I love him so much but I'll let Dean introduce himself this time around as I think it's probably a little bit easier and he has his own accolades. Yep so my name is Dean. I'm from uh, Rochdale, England but I live in North Wales. I'm 29 plus three, so <laughs> about 32. Uh, I'm an online coach. I've been coaching people on and off for a couple of years, uh, but I've been full-time since January. Uh, like Zach said, he's one of my clients. Uh, I'm not saying he's my favorite client, but he's my favorite he client. He is, he is, yeah. He's exactly what he's saying. <laughs> yeah, um, I compete in natural bodybuilding, and, um, and yeah, looking forward to his podcast. Thank you, Dano. Thank you, Dane. Now, look, I don't know how many people actually know this about you, um, but you're lifetime natural. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Is there any any inkling in the brain that goes, oh, you know, maybe one cycle won't hurt? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I consider myself very lucky when I started training. It was quite taboo to talk about to talk about like the assisted side of things. So I was never really influenced by it, um, and also I was naive as well. I thought I thought that you could achieve Olympia level physiques naturally. Like I remember asking uh, one of my mates, and I said. Do you think Ronnie Coleman's natural, <laughs> man? <laughs> anyway, so yeah, luckily, luckily, when I was younger and would have been more uh, influenced, I was quite naive, wasn't introduced to it. Um, sort of fell in love with the process, and um, yeah, now I'm just phew, the temptation's always there, but for now, I'm still optimistic that I can. I've still got some gains to make, hopefully. Uh, keen to see that because you're already massive as it is. At least that's what the photos tell me, anyway. Yeah, I'm a bit of a, um, what do you call it, a catfish. Dean's, got the, no, Dean's, <laughs> Dean's got the angles down pat. <laughs> Cause, so how long have you actually been lifting for? Because I know you said you're 29 plus 3. Yeah. Um, so I started at 16. So, yeah, I've been lifting for 16 years now. But when I, um, when I say lifting, I mean, I've been bodybuilding since... Um, Bodybuilding since 2014, so that's when I really started taking it a little bit more seriously. But yeah, first, first walked into a gym at 16. That's 16, 16 years. Holy shit. Yes. Yeah. Um, and what what made you step into the gym for the first time? So, when I was 16, I was I did judo from a young age. I, I started doing judo when I was about six. Um, started competing in judo when I was eight. <laughs> And then up until up until like early twenties, eight is <laughs> such a young age to be throwing yeah, people around. My, <laughs> I won um one of my fondest memories as a kid, maybe not fondest, but um, my first grading when I was eight years old, I won my first. Well, I won the two fights I had in a day, and like the guys that I was against were a lot bigger than me because there weren't many eight year olds that be grading. Um, so yeah, anyway, anyway, um, yeah. But when I turned sixteen, so I turned up to the to the senior classes. And I was like nine stone, nine and a half stone if I, you know, if it had been raining. And um, everybody was <laughs> nine like, and a half. <laughs> they were like bouncers, cage fighters, police officers. They were all like, like double my weight. Um, and they were just literally throwing me around like I was a ragdoll, basically. So I thought, 
If I'm going to carry on doing judo, I need to maybe put some weight on. So, um, yeah, luckily, my best friend, his dad owned a gym. So naturally, um, got speaking to him and um, started going to a gym with him. It sounds like a, like a good thought process was behind it, though, because like you go to... You go to any mixed martial arts or any martial arts, I should say, that wasn't specifically mixed martial arts at that point, but you go to a martial arts class, if there's big guys there, you kind of want to get bigger to compete with the big dudes. Yeah. Um, when I did Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, it was the same. Like we'd go, we'd go somewhere for a competition and there'd be a bunch of big guys, but the little guys would have it over them for the most part. It was crazy. I think it was just because they play their, they play their Jiu-Jitsu game, so to speak, a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. Um, it definitely was the case when I was in there anyway um, going back to when you started now I don't know how many people don't know Dean but Dean is an incredibly structured person um, when I say incredibly structured I mean sometimes I get a little bit worried when I don't see something <laughs> on his story or anything I'm like oh I wonder if he's still alive he hasn't eaten this meal in half an hour uh, so when you when you started the gym, did you do any previous research? Did you do anything like that, did, or did you just go in and wing it every single session like most other sixteen year olds? Yeah, you know, it was it was very much. My dad's mate happened to be the biggest guy in the gym, and it was very much just listen to what the biggest guy in the gym says. So he he wrote me a program. It was um, nine, it was uh, five days a week body part split, uh, nine exercises per body part. And that was it. And for years, uh, at least two years, that's all I did. I just followed that program, um, tried to progress. And I did. I progressed in weight, but literally just did the same exercises, same sets, roughly the same rep ranges for, for two years straight. Um, didn't really, at the time, so this was back in like 20, uh, sorry, 2008, 2009, there wasn't as much information online about nutrition and um, um sort of like principles of training and so on. So it was it was just literally, I just listened to what the, um, whatever the biggest guy would tell me to do. At that so, point, it just would have been like bodybuilding.com. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I wasn't even introduced to that. Um, I wasn't on any of the forums or anything. So, um, so yeah, I was just doing a body part split, um, trying to get protein in, in most meals. Um, didn't really know the difference between like a fat, a carb. I just roughly knew that animal animal meats were protein. So I was just consuming like large, large amounts of animal meat. Do you know what, mate? I actually did the same thing. Uh, when I when I decided I needed to, quote unquote, get massive, um, mm. I just started pounding, absolutely pounding in the animal products, specifically meat. And I yeah. thought I was going to be huge in no time. Um Turns out it takes a lot longer to build muscle than I originally thought. Mm-hmm. So, you know, people just just stick to the plan. Just just gradual progressive overload and good sources of protein. Don't yeah, don't, <laughs> you don't think that it's all just gonna come overnight. No, and luckily the, the information's a lot better. Um a lot more accessible nowadays as well. And with just with apps on your phone and stuff, everything's just so much more convenient now. I mean, yeah, I, like I didn't, I didn't do anything 16 years ago, but um, I can imagine it would have been, I mean, they didn't even have the first iPhone out 16 years ago, I don't think. No, no, we didn't. Uh, I was running around with a, um, it was a Sharp, I don't even know, I can't remember Sharp. the brand, anyway, 
um, yeah, it didn't didn't have internet or anything like that. Just uh, text messages. <laughs> it probably text... had something better than snakes. <laughs> <laughs> but the text messages, um, they used, they didn't they never came through as like full on threads. They were just like individual texts. Yeah, <laughs> and they were like and they were capped at one hundred and twenty characters. I used to um, this said Sandra, but I used to I used to go online and um, you could input ringtones on the phone, and I used to like copy copy the ringtone from a website to like get my anyway yeah yeah good times <laughs> yeah sometimes i miss being a lot younger and then i realize how shit um how much of a little shit i was back then and i'm like yeah look nah nah don't miss that at all actually <laughs> um as far as like going back to you know starting in the gym being 16 doing a couple years of a well a bro split initially mm-hmm. um the progressive overload stuff there is, I feel like if you're going to do a bro split, as long as you're doing the progressive overload, although it may not be the best split, as long as you've got, as long as you've got your press, progressive overload down pat, you're still going to make gains. And yeah. you, must have saw, you must have seen some gains come through. Definitely, yeah. Um, especially, especially in the first six months, like, like everybody experiences the uh, newbie gains. And I think that's a good point. People, people nowadays for want of a better way of putting it, they overcomplicate things and they try and they try and find or establish what's the most optimal thing to do. But you're gonna make progress, especially as a beginner, you're gonna make progress no matter what you do. If you train hard, if your nutrition's roughly in check, if you're progressing in weights week on week, you are gonna build muscle. Um but yeah nowadays people are like obsessing over what's the best training split, what's the best amount of volume and so on and so forth. But they should just concentrate on getting in the gym. Getting stronger, especially in the um, especially in the main lifts, like the main compound lifts, and just progressing over time. It's just that there's so much shitty information out there from mm-hmm. quote unquote influencers um, who who get a following and then all of a sudden think they they know what's right for everyone, like it, like it's some kind of cookie cutter program that they start putting out. And they um, one thing they do, and I understand they're trying to like hack the algorithm. But they'll come up with um, eye-catching tiles and it'll be the best exercise for biceps or the best exercise for abs. And then like two weeks later, they've got another series and it's the best exercise for biceps. <laughs> the be- and um, I understand why we do it. But yeah, if, if anyone, especially when you've got a large, large audience, if you're, talking in, if you're talking in absolutes, it's not going to fit everybody. It might fit like 10% of people, but it's not going to fit everybody that's going to listen to it. But then there'll be a lot of a lot of young people, not even necessarily young people, but a lot of new people who will go in and try it, and it'll work for them because it's something they haven't done in in the past. Yeah. Um, so they all of a sudden idolise this quote unquote influencer who who may not have qualifications, but they're just putting out stuff something that they've either been told or something that they've done themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it. They get they get married to it. Which is um, yeah. I don't I. I used to be one of those suckers who would like watch influencers who had no qualifications, didn't specifically know what they were talking about and be like, oh yeah, if I, if I do that exercise, I'll definitely look like that in about three months. It'd be great. I just got to go through a gaining phase and I'll be there in three months. Yeah. Yeah. And we don't share, we don't share what built their physique from how many years they might've been lifting, um, what sort of training we did when they got introduced to lifting before we before they moved on to these like quote unquote advanced techniques, and obviously there's always the um, uh, like the dark horse in the room. But 
if they're assisted as well, it's that's going to completely change what results you're going to get. Hundred percent. I didn't like. I don't think people know um, much about anabolics or just what what they can do, or how much your genetics actually changes how you receive the assistance, the PEDs, mm-hmm. um, because that that's a massive contributing factor. Is of course still your genetics. Yeah. Yeah, and there's almost when you look at that side of a coin, it's you've almost got two types of genetics. You've got your genetics for being natural, and then also you've got your genetics in terms of how you respond to things like that. So um, it's a completely different uh, playing field. Enough about that, man. I'm not going to try and convince you to to get on the juice. (laughs) (laughs) You're twisting my arm now. Now, now, just going on from uh, being on the juice, I know um, I have a question I really wanted to ask you, that, and I have a feeling I know what the answer is already, but... Um, what's an insult that you've received that you're proud of? <laughs> the, the, the holy grail of insults for a natural lifter. Um, I think, uh, yeah, I mean, anyone, anyone that's, that's been to the gym for more than six months would probably uh, know what I'm talking about. Um, yeah, it's, it's literally, are you taking anything? Are you, um, <laughs> do you take steroids? Sir, can I search <laughs> your bag? Yeah, I got, um, I was training about two weekends ago, and by the way, I like so so it's an, it, it's kind of an insult in a way, uh, but it's also a compliment, and I quite like receiving it because it, it makes me feel like I'm doing something right. <laughs> but uh, some some guy walked up to me, never never spoken to him before. I might have seen him like a couple of times, and uh, middle of a gym, gym floor was packed. Uh, he stopped me at the end of my set, and he he just he, he came really close up to me. And he said, "Are you taking anything?" I said, "No, I'm natural." I mean, he didn't follow up. He didn't acknowledge. I said I was natural. He didn't follow up with anything. He just turned around and walked away. It was, the, it was bizarre. Not the answer he was hoping for, mate. Yeah, I think he was. I should have said, yeah. Uh, maybe he was looking for a dealer. I don't know. But um, yeah, no, yeah. Uh, that's that's obviously the best. The best. The best. Like backhanded compliment uh, is when somebody sort of accuses you, especially if they accuse you of being on something, and you say, no, no, honestly, I'm natural, um, and and. I can show them polygraph tests, I've had blood tests, so on and so forth, and they still don't believe me. That's when that's when I know I've made it. Yeah, that's when you that's when you hit the big leagues. Big leagues, yeah. I should say. Because um, when you want to stop going to the gym is probably when people stop asking you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Just like throwing in the towel here, boys. Don't worry about it. <laughs> um, Back to golf. <laughs> yes. Oh, do the, do the Gareth Bale special. <laughs> Legend, yeah. I'll just sit on the bench and play golf. Don't worry about me, boys. <laughs> um, but as far as being like a lifetime natural, being natural 16 years, what's one piece of advice you'd give to someone who wants to be a natural bodybuilder or just a bodybuilder in general? Definitely. And it, it does apply to both. Um, but it's probably, a, you would have to receive it in a different way. But definitely to play the long game. Um, it's especially in natural bodybuilding. You progress. I mean, in your first five years of lifting, you can make you you can probably make about eighty percent of your gains in terms of if you've got a ceiling, you're probably like eighty percent there if you if you've trained well and your nutrition's well. If your nutrition's good, I should say. Um, but then, applying longer term thinking, really, really learning the basics, well, the principles of nutrition and training, and applying that over time. 
and I've not met anybody that's trained for more than five years who hasn't managed to stick at it, who hasn't managed to sort of, and I, I love using this term, but fall in love with the process. Um, and same, if somebody was assisted, I would say, think about the long game. But in that regard, it would be, if you've chosen to go down that route, it would be not to take, not to run before you can walk. So if you're going to use anabolics, start start with a reasonable dose. Like don't don't take it, um, don't do things. Don't think, don't think more is more, because in that in that scenario, less is definitely more in my opinion. Uh, and especially when you're thinking about long term health as well. Um, so f- yeah, for both regards, just just play the long game. Yeah, fairly great points there. Um, as far as like the the less is more and play the long game, I know. Sorry, I don't know, but I guarantee there are a few people out there who are like, yeah, but if I'm going to die, at least I'll be shredded. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah, good point, mate. Good point. You'll look great in your tuxedo at your funeral. Yeah. But, um, yeah. So I, I get people all the time ask me um, what what steps to take to become a food blogger. And I'm like, just post food. Um, and I guess it's very similar to... Um, how you'd respond to someone who wants to be a bodybuilder as in like start like just get yeah. go in and get a start yeah get a start and, and in the bodybuilding space it's platforms like Instagram uh, they've they've really they've sh- sh- they shine a bit of a spotlight on on the um, I guess the more extremes of a sport like the people that are like extremely ripped, extremely muscular and so on. Like the, they're the, the posts that get the, get the most attention. Um, but I think if you're doing it for that reason, you're doing it for the wrong reason. So it would be more just to concentrate on yourself and draw enjoyment out of progressing and just trying to, rather than competing against other people, think about competing against yourself and just trying to be better than yourself each and every day. And then if you make, if you make small linear progress over time, um, but you are still progressing, you know, you, you'll be amazed by the physique that you can achieve. Yeah, couldn't agree more with that. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Going back to um, like being a bodybuilder on Instagram. Now, what's what's one thing that's come of your Instagram that you didn't really expect? Definitely the connections I've made with people. And I would say when I first started posting on Instagram, I was very much bodybuilding focused. It was just a document like just things about bodybuilding, I mean, like stage photos and um, competitions I'd been in, uh, and maybe like physique updates every now and again. Um, but much, I, I could never have really anticipated some of the people I would have, or like some of the like-minded people that I would have connected with who weren't necessarily even interested in bodybuilding. We just, we had common interests, whether it was an appreciation for food. An appreciation um, for drizzling sauces. Yes. Yes, the like Driz gang. A, a certain Driz gang, yeah. <laughs> um, but that's a perfect example. Like the, the friendships I've made with yourself, um, Harrison, um, Dylan, when, he, when he's posting. Is he Thomas. alive? Yes, he is. But anyway, yeah. Um, but yeah, the, you know, the friendships are made with, with people like yourselves. Um, I would never, uh, never have, sorry, never had anticipated. But it's been, it's been such a blessing because obviously bodybuilding itself is quite a niche thing and i think out even outside of bodybuilding going to the gym and training training weights the way that we train is still quite niche and there's not many people i know in real life who have got as many um the same sort of hobbies ideologies and interests 
as what I've made on Instagram. So definitely, definitely be the friendships and connections I've made. Yeah, I can agree with that. Meeting like like just any sort of like-minded people that you come across. Um, this is this is why I like when people reach out to me or, or send me a message because they'll be like, oh, hey, like either I, a, I listened to the first episode of your podcast, I really liked it and it resonated with me quite a lot. Then we get into like a, a fairly heavy conversation about specific topics. Like I like the topic specific stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But then whenever I speak to you, it's usually about something in particular that we, we both either know a little bit about um, so usually you more than me because as far as the bodybuilding space goes I'm not really in it like you are I just mm-hmm. take pictures of food and eat food and try and get absolutely massive but also lean as fuck at the same time of course uh, <laughs> isn't it the only way to be maybe I should get yeah. on PEDs it might make my whole life so much easier <laughs> <laughs> um, but what was I going to say there Oh my god! I, I, was lead, I, I was leading to something. I, oh yeah, um, but as far as it being like quite niche, because it is quite niche, and a lot of people look in at bodybuilding from the outside and they don't really understand it. Um, but what's a common misconception you get with your lifestyle that usually comes from like the bodybuilding aspect of it? Yeah, I I would say, and to be fair maybe maybe i bring this on myself a little bit because as you touched on earlier i'm very consistent with things like my nutrition like um for for listeners if you're not aware i don't follow it's not that i follow a meal plan as such i am flexible with my food but i tend to just for for ease and convenience um i tend to just eat the same thing every day and And when he says every day he means every (laughs) single day (laughs) (laughs) yeah um so yeah, pretty much the, so, so it is self-inflicted to an extent, but people think, I think people sometimes think that I, I don't want to say afraid, but that I won't stray away from the, the foods that I normally eat. Like they, they, I usually get greeted with something like, are you allowed to eat that? If it's, if it's something that's not like what I'm regularly eating. And that is my and, least favorite question of all time. Yeah. It's um, working, so working in offices for years, um, whenever somebody would have like bring cakes in or donuts or biscuits or something, um, I would always be like the butt of a joke of like, oh, Dean, Dean's not allowed to eat that or Dean won't eat that. Or then if I did eat it, they would just like, they would all be like shocked like I was doing something wrong. <laughs> um, yeah, that was, that was annoying. <laughs> you can't eat yeah. sugar. And I'm like, do you, do you actually know what I eat? Because there's a lot of sugar. <laughs> anyway, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sarah, are you aware that I have three bowls of cereal a day? <laughs> yeah, there was one point. There was one point um, when I was gaining in like 20, 2019, One of my my post workout cereal was like, ah oh, man, it, dude, that it bowl was, was massive. Like, I remember that. Yeah, the it bowl was, like, was huge. <laughs> I I think it was like two hundred and fifty grams of carbs. So it was a, a lot of cereal. Good times. That's a two hundred and fifty grams of carbs in one sitting. <laughs> yeah, no. What was I thinking? Well, One, I mean, I yeah, that's, yeah, that would have been the time of your life, man. That would have been a great. That's that's peak Dean time, that. Yeah, yeah, that was peak mass, peak mass. <laughs> and then get shredded and lose strength and do the same thing over again the next year. Yeah, just repeat it. <laughs> Maybe this is what people misunderstand about the the lifestyle the most because they're like, oh, I just don't get it. Why I'd gain weight and then lose weight and then gain weight and then lose weight? Mm-hmm. Like, so I can be strong and look good. 
Yeah. Yeah. And and there is there is a sense of achievement when you when you do dye it down and you, you reveal like a little bit of new detail or like a little bit of muscle that you didn't have before. Um, and especially because I've been lifting for so long, like the details the details are becoming much harder to uh, to establish. But yeah, once they're there, it's it's it is a big sense of achievement. Most definitely. Most definitely. I know after well, my my last quote unquote bulk um, wasn't really a bulk. It was more just me moving past the heavy disordered eating that I um, put myself in. But even like after I've done this, for those who don't know, I've just finished. I finished up a cut a couple of weeks ago. Um, went really, really well. Had no food focus or anything like that. It was absolutely bliss. Um, Dean helped me probably more than he should have with that. It was all. It was absolutely awesome. But this is a plug for Dean's coaching. Just go to his bio, <laughs> go to his bio <laughs> on Instagram and click the link. Um, but no, yeah, it was. Um, oh my god, I lost my train of thought. Oh yeah, the sense of achievement of like seeing either like new muscle tissue or or taking like taking a cut one step further and getting a little bit leaner than you did last time. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. Which which is different because like some people, some people are just like getting ready to go to the beach or some people are getting on stage. So obviously, the people that are getting on stage nine times out of ten are going to be dick skin lean unless they've fucked up somewhere along the line. But mm. for those that are going to the beach and just have like a, a beach bod quote unquote um they'll probably get a little bit leaner than they did last time and recognize you know oh, my hard work in the gym is actually paying off but um because because too often i don't know about you but too often not so much anymore because i don't live there but i'm from a small town in new south wales and whenever i go to that gym it's usually the same people lifting the same weight that they'd lifted two years before and they've just been going and doing the same shit every single week yeah yeah you see that so i train i train in a bodybuilding gym and i also train in like a more like a leisure leisure facility uh, and to be fair in both but it's it to a bigger degree in the leisure gym um people literally they don't they don't understand progressive overload or mechanical tension and they're not actually stressing the muscle. They literally just go in there, they do the same same weight, same reps, um, same sets, same exercises, week in, week out. Which I can appreciate because you know I'm a consistent guy. <laughs> but um, but you've still you've got to look to progress in some way. Um, but I think a lot of people just get caught spinning the wheels because they don't really they never really develop the knowledge in that sense. Um, and perhaps you know there are benefits to going to the gym outside of building your physique. But still, if, you know, if you put them a time in, then you should be, you should just make a little bit more effort, educate yourself, and actually look to look to improve. I just think, because um, I know the people that I'm sort of referring to are the people that like want to be massive and they want to be shredded, they want to have abs and they want to get their, they want to get yeah. their kid off like on the weekends and stuff. I'm like, yeah, you do whatever, you do whatever the hell you want, mate. But the way they're training is like someone who's going to the gym for general health and well-being or general well mm -hmm. uh, just any sort of yeah any sort of health and well-being um because they're not as you said they're not taking the time to do the progressive overload there's no education in there they're not really pushing themselves that hard they're just going more or less to just move the body yeah which of course yeah, depending but... on your goal perfectly fine yeah i see what you're saying though there is there is that different demographic of people who they actually, their goal is to actually build a physique, 
but yeah, they're just they're caught in a trap of just doing the same thing over and over again. Um, and it's it's yeah, there's a, there's a distinction between somebody that's going in there um, just to move the body, sort of thing, and get something out of it, and somebody that's trying to improve the physique but not actually improving the physique. But they always think that they are. They're like, oh man, I've gotten so much stronger, but but you have, but you haven't. You're still doing the same thing. No, yeah, dude, I've gotten so much stronger. But then, I, I yeah, think, yeah, I think I they get really confident pushing the weight that they do, and then they sort of just like are too scared to take the leap up and and do put like put any extra weight on the bar because they're like, oh, then it won't move as fast, or I won't be able to lift it off my chest, or or whatever the lift may be. You can tell I'm quite a bro. I bring up chest straight away. Um, but I think they get a little bit nervous about it and they're like oh no it's okay I'll just I'll just do this weight for the rest of my life yeah and you know when I get when I get a new client who that's something I do look out for to be fair if I get a new client who's been lifting for a couple of years and they've not been making progress past past their sort of newbie gains the two things I address first first and foremost is training and then nutrition because on the nutrition side of things they might just need to tweak them maybe they're not prioritizing protein as much as they should do but on the training side of things it's exactly that it's because they're just lifting the same thing same weight over and over again and i can think i can think of specific examples when i've told somebody um right i'm going to take over the training program i'll tell you what weights to do and then you do that weight for and try and get between this many reps and then the feedback I get from the session is, I've never done that weight before. I, I wasn't expecting to get X amount of reps and I got like more reps than I was expecting. Um, and that's when they, I think that's when the wheels can start turning and they actually think, oh, I can actually push myself and I can actually get past this, uh, this like lifting plateau that I've, that I've invented. Um, and yeah, lift more weight than they thought it were capable of. I think a lot of people, that were just touching on what you said there, that lifting plateau that they've invented is very much so what happens to a lot of people it gets in their head um because i know it did for me for ages doing incline bench and Mm -hmm. uh lat pull downs as well where i just like couldn't break this point but it was just all in my head i could easily do it i just i just for some for some reason didn't and i know um i know i wasn't quite pushing myself in the gym like i thought i was when i started training with you and Mm -hmm we started working with RPEs and or just reps left in the tank in layman's terms. Um, and uh, funnily enough, it, with every single back exercise, I just did my regular weight and I could have done like six more. Yeah, that's it. That's, that's what's good about the RPE scale. It's a good way to quantify and to, to measure exactly how much effort you're putting in. Um, it can be quite humbling as well, but oh, extreme, that, extremely I mean, humbling. Extremely humbling. Yeah, I um, I, I keep on telling myself, I know I can do a five hundred k deadlift. I just need to, I just need to put the weight in the bar and do it. <laughs> just stand One up. These days, <laughs> it's literally all you have just, to do. Just stand up. Just lift it. It's not that hard. Yeah, exactly. It's the same as bench press. Just put the weight on your chest and then push it back up. It's not that hard. <laughs> just, you can do four hundred kilos if you really want to. You just got to put your mind to it. <laughs> I might go for a one rep max tomorrow, actually. Yeah, just don't die. <laughs> don't do it. I need you next year. <laughs> yeah, no, no one rep maxes. <laughs> um, circling back to now, we've we've touched on this before. For people that don't know, this is actually our second time recording this. Uh, we had some technological differences in the first one. 
Um, this is something I've touched on before, and I'd like to ask you a bit more about it again, um, and it's regarding hate comments. So, do you receive a lot of them, and if you do, how do you deal with them? I look, luckily, I don't get a lot, unless unless I'm not reading between my lines, and I do get a lot. Maybe <laughs> I, just, I just don't pick up on them. Um, but yeah, I do... I do receive them from time to time and it's it's almost flattering when because okay we touched on this last time but it's always from accounts where they're a private account they've got no posts they've got no picture of themselves it's like a random generic name um and then yeah they just leave something like just intentionally they try and pick out an insecurity and they just like leave something really intentionally hateful or hurtful i should say um and luckily and I think it's because of because of my age, because I'm you know I'm close to thirty now. Um, <laughs> but I, I think I'm more mature. When I was younger, I probably would have taken it. It, it probably would have played in my mind, or it, it it would have been like an insecurity, and it, it would have been something I had to work through. Um, but now, when I get when I get hate comments, and it's usually something about my physique. Maybe um, uh, when I was when I was in prep last year. I, I got this, there was a certain troll um, who kept on like leaving comments on my post. <laughs> I, I thought it was funny, but he kept on leaving comments on my posts um, saying, I've gotten smaller, I've lost muscle. Um, when I when I launched my, or advertised my coaching, he said something about not wanting to be coached by somebody that, that eats cereal, or I think he said something like eat cereal and he's skinny or some, something like that Jesus, anyway. Jesus, um, Yeah. Um, but I take it, why, so... My philosophical answer is I usually, I almost just feel sorry for the person because I think if they've taken the time out of their day um, for whatever reason, whatever the motive is, if they've justified to themselves to take the time out of their day to leave a comment like that, it says more about them than it does about me. Um, and I, and I, almost, I almost just wish them the best and whatever, they, <laughs> whatever they're working through, I hope they work through it. Um, because for me, I always just try and, I literally just want to, if I'm, if I'm going to have any influence or impact on somebody, I want it to be positive. Uh, and I think most people in the human race are like that. And that's why we survive for so long. But when you get, when you come across people like that, I just think they must be going through something that's, that's whatever they've got going on personally or whatever it is that's driving them to do it. I just hope they sort of get through it. And that almost without sounding like umbilical, like, um, too demeaning but almost feeling sorry for him and framing it in that way it makes i just completely when i managed to disregard what the comment they've made because it almost it feels like it doesn't it's got no weight to it or doesn't really exist because it's not it's not something like truthful it's just something they're saying or making up to be hurtful yeah it's the same as the classic like bully in school kind of thing like they're they're trying to make other people hurt because they are too yes definitely yeah yeah um, which is probably what user two three seven five eight two seven nine three three said when he when he called you skinny. <laughs> yes. I just I just don't understand what goes through. And I've got, I've had it a couple of times, mostly on TikTok. Um, mm-hmm. I don't like Instagram. Uh, I spoke about this with someone else, but Instagram, like you, obviously have to go out of your way to follow the person to see more of their content, unless it ends up on your explore page. But you can just keep scrolling; doesn't matter. Like twenty things pop up at once on the explore page. But on mm-hmm. TikTok, you can't control where your video goes. It just starts popping up on people's pages. So if they don't okay. like it, they're just going to tell you. Yeah, um, that's fair. 
but they don't exactly tell you in the nicest of ways. They just tell you that you know either you're a shit cunt or you're, <laughs> or you you're doing this wrong or you're doing that wrong or they give you unsolicited advice and like bro just fuck off. <laughs> I guess if we're so I, I've never used TikTok, but it that seems like you might get more exposure on there, but that seems like a much more toxic environment because oh it's it's so toxic. Yeah, bloody hell. Um, yeah, I'm not going to make an account. I was thinking about it, but it's definitely not now. <laughs> no, I mean, it's fun to scroll on. And for, for videos that only go for usually one minute, you can somehow spend three hours on it. It's amazing. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's the worst between sets uh, when you're trying to work out because you're like, oh, yeah, yeah I've got a two-minute rest. And then you all of a sudden turn it into an hour. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it is what it is. Now, just circling back to, um, you said you started bodybuilding in 2014. Yes. yes. So between 2014 and 2021, how many shows have you competed in? Uh, 17. So, uh, yeah, that's quite a few, 17. So for the people in the back, that's more than two shows a year. Yeah. So in those, so since, since 2014, I've had four competitive seasons. Um, in the first season, I did one show. In the second season, I did uh, two shows. I'm sounding like fish in a rice cake guy. No. Um, <laughs> then in the third season, um, I forget how many shows I did. But anyway, one of the years, one of the years, I did nine shows in a year. So that's what really nine. boosted my total up. That is yeah. an astonishing amount. Yeah, and that was, um, the first show was in March, and the last show was in October, so it's quite a long season. That's a, sh- that's a show a month. That's yeah, more than a show a month. month. Yeah, it averaged out to more than a show, because some months, some months were, um, I think one month in September I did three shows. Um, Holy shit. Yeah, in that, so in that year, sorry, in that, in that season, it was only, um, I think June was the only month I didn't do a bodybuilding show. Yeah, and then you had to catch up later in the year so you can get that one a month. Yeah, so I had to do like three <laughs> in one, yeah. <laughs> um, I don't... Unless unless you've been through the prep process, which I personally haven't. I've been through a cut. It was horrible. I hated it, but then I'll do a prep and I'm pretty sure that'll take the cake for how much I hate it. But... <laughs> um, or love it. We, we'll find out. But um, how mentally... First off, how mentally draining was it? I think you've got to be a particular type of person to do it, to to last that long. Um, you have to eat the same know, thing every day at the same time. Yeah, you need to be a particular type of person that, that doesn't mind monotony of, <laughs> of eating the same thing every single day. Um, but, so that was 2017. Me- a lot went on that year as well. I moved, I changed um, in, in that season. I moved house, uh, I got a new job. Uh, I mean, that's not that, that big a deal, but like, like some fairly like majorish life events. Um, but but they're, they're both things that can sway off any sort of consistency that you have. Yeah, if, if I had a client and he told me uh, I'm moving house on this state or I'm getting a new job, I probably wouldn't tell them to be doing a bodybuilding show the weekend before, <laughs> which is which is what I did for like both of them, um, which was good to turn up to work in a new job when you're uh, when you still got fake tan all over you. But yeah, anyway, <laughs> white um, collar shirt which is now brown. Yeah, but luckily, 
at that time, I developed enough experience and I was so habitual. It wasn't as bad. If, if it was my first season, there's no way I could have... Like, on my first season, I literally did the first show and then binged for two months afterwards because it was just, like, my whole my whole approach to it. But you obviously, your first time is never perfect, but my whole approach to it was wrong um, and I needed, like, a lot of recovery. And it, I, I, I put on about... Uh, I put on about three stone in two months and then the only reason why I competed the following year is because I put on so much weight I thought right the only way I'm going to lose this weight is if I compete again so I just threw myself <laughs> back into prep I mean why not it's, it's probably not yeah. not quote unquote the healthiest way to go about it but it's a good way to get the weight off yeah inexperienced but it worked <laughs> um, and the yeah, so that, yeah, so that th- throughout that entire season, starting a new job, moving house, trying to keep your diet consistent, because there are a lot of variables you have to take care of as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. We we like taking care of um, sort of sodium intake and water intake. No, not so water. I guess I guess I was, but indirectly, um, because my because my diet was pretty consistent. My sodium intake was pretty consistent as well. Uh, and for water, I've always I've always did the same thing. Like I, I wake up, I hydrate. I have quite a lot of water, um, build, like leading to a session. So, in specifically for peak weeks, I would manipulate sodium. I would like for for a traditional peak week. There's quite a few variables, but the main ones really uh, are activity training, um, carbohydrate intake, or calorie intake as a whole. Uh, but specifically carbohydrates water intake and then electrolytes as well and there's there's a couple more but there's no reason like especially as a natural um i think your risk versus reward just just isn't worth it um but yeah so so for peaking for a show i would i would manage those variables but outside of outside of that context it was pretty much just um i was pretty much business as normal in terms of my uh, nutritional structure I guess that's the main benefit of being able to eat the same thing every day. That just because mm-hmm. um, leaning to, that was obviously a two-part question, but I didn't put the second part in. The second part of the question, <laughs> um, which is along the similar similar line as the first, but f- how physically draining was it? Yeah, you don't because I, I just I can't imagine many people. That especially that I know, I think you're probably the only person that I know who would be able to do that. There's very few people that I know. Of course, actually, at this point, I should probably give a shout out to Tom, uh, Mr. Thomas Ballard, because we all know that he could probably do that as well. Um, yeah, that guy has. <laughs> yeah, he has the dedication of a something that has a lot of dedication. He has the dedication of a dean. It's amazing. Yeah. Um. But yeah, as far as like how physically straining it was, far away, mate. Let us know. Yeah, so for people that have competed, it, when you diet down to to a low body fat, like things just don't work as, as as they should be doing. And in terms of like general energy, it's you get to a point where <laughs> the thought of get the thought of like getting up off a seat or walking upstairs is like why why am I torturing myself? Why would I do this to myself? I do that um, now. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> um, but what I would say. When you're going through it, or when I was going through it, you almost get, I got used to it. It was like, it was a new norm. 
so I was just like, oh, this is just how I feel. Uh, you know, I've just got no, I've got no energy in the gym. That's just a normal thing. So I, I guess I just got used to it. But now looking back, and then every time I transition from a contest prep to an off season, like the the feeling of having like an abundance of energy is just it. it at first, it feels really foreign, uh, but then you get used to it, and then you reflect and you think, Jesus, I I, I genuinely was like low energy during that uh, during that prep, and in in 2017, um, to put it in context, I pretty much for all throughout all of that prep. Um, I can't think of any lifts that I really progressed in. I was just I was just hammering as much volume as I could, as much volume as I could recover from. But my actual training intensity it it got to a point where it was it was so low that it, realistically, I mean, I mean, I did maintain muscle, but it was it was just like I was I was struggling to maintain muscle, and maintenance is not that difficult. You would you would have surely taken a little bit of um, wear and tear throughout the process as well as. I mean, on a cut, there's very minimal chance that someone's going to keep a hundred percent of the muscle. Is that right? Mm-hmm. That's right, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. As a natural, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, so there definitely would have been some wear and tear throughout that, where you did lose a little bit of muscle. But <laughs> do you know what? Fair play for keeping on going, because as I said, not many people can do that. I know for sure when I do my first show next year. For those who don't know, for people that get to listen to the podcast. Um, you guys get the, the inside goss. The inside scoop here, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, because I know next year, I'm, I'm not necessarily nervous about it. We've spoken about it quite a lot, so I'm not nervous about it at all, really. Um, more excited than anything, but I know for sure that, and I, I mainly know this because I've spoken to a lot of people in the space, which is probably what Instagram has brought me, to be fair, which I'm incredibly grateful for, Um but the post, how you handle post show, is more important than how you handle prep. Yes, definitely, definitely. It's more important and more difficult. Um, that that post show period is is more difficult than the than the prep. And that sounds it sounds counterintuitive because you think, oh, I've got all this this food, but you've got you've got two competing um, you've got two competing goals at that time. You've got phys- the uh, psychology where you've just gotten to this low body fat and you want to stay as lean as possible. But then physiologically, you've got such a drive to eat. It's, it's like one of them's got to give. And if you don't, if you don't manage it properly, like, like in my first season, if you don't manage it properly, the, the outcome could be uh, pretty cat- catastrophic really. But just, just touching on what you said, I think because your, this cutting phase has been so successful and because oh, it, was, it, was so, it was piss, it was piss easy. Yeah, that's that's very promising going into uh, going into a contest prep because the amount of weight in terms of scale weight, the amount of and a percentage of body weight, the amount of weight you lost in that cutting phase is less than what you're going to need to lose during a prep. Um, so, and it does once you get sort of sub ten percent body fat, each each sort of percentage drop in terms of body weight does get disproportionately harder than the last. But it's still it's still very promising going into it. I'm just looking forward to it, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Can we just do it now? Let's just start now. Yeah, we'll do it. We'll do it. Uh, Twelve month. We'll, we'll do a 2017 <laughs> Dean Nolan prep. Twelve, 12 months of dieting. How how long was your prep, bro? Uh, Fifty two weeks. <laughs> what? For your first show. <laughs> how how much weight did you lose? Six kilograms. <laughs> what? <laughs> 
<laughs> you averaged out of that 100 grams a week. Yeah, it was, it was great. <laughs> it was, that would be torture. Yeah. Slow and steady, you know, slow and steady. <laughs> um, so, ha- so let's see, 2014, how old were you when you did your first show? Um, 2014. So I was 20, um, I think I was 24, I think. But maths isn't my strong point, hence 29 plus 3. Yeah, don't worry. Uh, no, mine, 26. Mine, mine isn't either. Uh, I was twenty. I, I was 26 by year when I did the first show. Do you know what? I was actually very conflicted to do a show um, mm-hmm. because I thought I was too old to do my first show. And I'm 26 now. Yeah, it, it's, a, it's a good age to start because... It's good. I mean, you should build as much of a foundation as possible, um, and that's what that's certainly what I did. Like, I, I probably had <laughs> is depressed. This is a depressing thing to say, and it might not be true, but I I may have had more muscle in twenty fourteen than I do now, and that's because of going through like multiple contest preps. Because, like you said, when you especially competition dieting, um, when you go through a contest prep it's inevitable that you're going to lose some muscle. Uh, and the leaner you get, the greater the, the, greater the risk of muscle loss. Um, but I, also having said that, my body weight was probably at its highest because in, in 20, before I before I started prep in 2014, I just did like a dreamer bulk and I was like, right, I'm just going to put on as much weight as possible. So um, my is body weight where, was... Is this where the, the nuggets wrapped in cheese slices came in? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> um, that, yeah, that was when I was um, uh, 17. But I, <laughs> during, during this bulk in like 20, well, leading up to 2014, uh, one week I had 14 pizzas in, in one week. In one week? A, yeah, that's a pretty good achievement. That's... Uh, is, can someone check the Guinness World Book of Records? <laughs> that We could be in there. It, at that time, I... So... Uh, just just to give a bit more context, at that time I didn't track nutrition. Like I'd never I'd never tracked nutrition. I just ate. Um, I ate fairly well. Like at that point, I'd, I'd roughly worked out what foods worked well with me. Uh, but in terms of bulking, I was just literally eating everything in sight, and I was like, "That's how you bulk." Um, so yeah, that's, I mean, that's... to be fair, dirty bulking I think is what everyone thinks is bulking because if you see like, if you ever see. Like a like a bodybuilder or a physique competitor who is just hammering food into themselves, whether it be like quote unquote junk food or healthy food or whatever it is, and they're yeah. like, and and you're like, oh, that's like that's a lot of food. Um, one, don't ever comment on someone's food intake ever. Um, two, they they're always like, oh yeah, bro, I'm bulking, I'm bulking. Yeah, I watched um, I watched a YouTube video <laughs> called Strongman Diet. A meme experience, and it was uh, it was five minutes of strongmen literally forcing down like they were eating like calories. two thousand calorie shakes of like blended uh, ground beef, and oh man, it was disgusting. It was horrible. It was, it, but you couldn't turn, you couldn't like stop watching. Um, you know, I'm I'm actually one of those weird people who can't stop watching. Yeah, I, like I will watch people try to try to do like the rocks cheat days, or try to do like Eddie Hall's diet or the mountains diet, and I'm like, yeah, this is this is cool. I'm like people looking at me like, why do you think that's cool? I'm like I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm sure, I'm sure you have. Have you ever have you ever watched an eating challenge like a, like a not not one that you would see on like the Food Network, but like a proper eating challenge? Like a what do you mean? 
like um, like people that do it competitively to try and earn money. Oh yeah, dude, I've done it. Oh man! So uh, when when you were there, we, uh, I've got a guy. Uh, man, I don't even know how or why. I got a, a guy on Facebook that I'm friends with who goes around the world doing his eating challenges. What a legend! Um, yeah, but when he does it, he's so he's like he must be about ten stone. Um, he, he starves himself. Well, he eats foods to expand his stomach, but generally he starves himself going up to it. So he's like excessively hungry, but he's eating like tons and tons of fibrous foods. So his stomach's extended because of all the, um, over like gastro, like the, the distress basically. Um, but yeah, sorry. When he's eating it, his hands just turn into shovels and it's just like, it's just shoveling food in his house, in his mouth. There's no enjoyment at all. Like, it looks like he's going to throw up every, like, with every mouthful. It's, oh, it's disgusting. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know why I'm talking about it. Do you know, I think um, going back to trying to, like, expand the stomach and, like, eating high fibrous foods, um, I, I, like, I don't want to, I kind of want to touch on it, but I don't because I don't want to sound like I'm sort of promoting it in any way, shape, or form. So I'm not promoting this, obviously. Um, but I know certain people that have it that have either, like, water loaded. And to stretch their stomach, so they'll they'll punish like five liters of water in like two mouth. Uh, I say two mouthfuls, but they basically get a whole one one liter bottle and crush the whole thing into their system and expand their stomach rapidly, um, which which can actually do some serious damage to them. But they're yeah. the risks you take when you're trying to make it your job. Um, and I've also seen people eat, you know, sort of like three kilos of cauliflower in one sitting to stretch their stomach. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. Why? That's that's what this guy does. But um, to to try and put people off, I mean, if you if you consume too much water in one sitting, the likelihood is uh, not in one sitting, but like if you consume too much water uh, over the course of a day, for example, it's going to flush out nutrients as well. So you're going to be deficient. Uh, and then also, like eating the cauliflower and broccoli, which is what this guy does. Uh, the people may not know but it, it ferments in the gut so like the amount of like distress that you're going to experience from it is just it's not worth it i mean you'll be farting every single 30 seconds for the next three days yeah yeah god that would be horrible yeah i don't um i don't tend to promote any sort of um like food challenges or competitive eating because i know i've seen the behind the scenes of it i've i've been around mm-hmm. um competitive eaters um i've seen how their prep is like just like anything it requires practice and prep and it's it's actually hideous to witness yeah yeah i can my my very little insight with the guy on facebook i can attest to that the the weird thing is is like one of the guys who is a competitive eater um is also like that i'm referring to is also a bodybuilder and he's a natural bodybuilder he's been in the space for maybe 20 odd years um, I'd love to get him on here sometime, but I have a feeling he won't because I put a post up on my Facebook, uh, taking the piss out of keto and saying it's a dog shit diet. And he must've done a show on a keto diet. Um, so he jumped in there and posted his picture and he's like, oh, keto shit is it? And then posted, <sighs> and then posted a screenshot of, um, why IIFYM is bad for you from like a new, uh, like an article from 2016. It's like... You've got the perfect opportunity to get him on. You can have a keto versus IIFYM uh, roundtable and you can have a debate. <laughs> do you, but do you know what? It's it's just a, like he is referring to things 
wrong. For instance, like uh, he's he's saying that like chocolate is empty calories. Chocolate is not empty calories because no, not at all. because there, there are fats and there are carbs and you know mm-hmm. minute pieces of protein in there, um, which by the but, way uh, can come in whole forms because it's from dairy. Winner, winner. Yeah, That's and, a whole protein. <laughs> and depending, like, I mean, not get, not going too far down the rabbit hole, but depending on the amount of cocoa solids in there, you get, you could be getting a lot of uh, polyphenols. Like, there are health benefits to chocolate. Massively. But yeah, loads I mean, of micronutrients. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, um, but the, like, he's, he's kind of one of those people that are just stuck in their ways a little bit. Um, re- very, very friendly guy. Very friendly guy. But I think I might have just hit a nerve when I, yeah. when I said the keto was shit. If, if he's really attached to that ideology, which clearly he is, um, it's diff- it becomes like religion. Like, when someone's, when someone develops like a dogma about something like keto or, um, I, I don't want to mention it, but I will like veganism or CrossFit or, <laughs> but, and okay, forget the veganism co- comment, but, um, yeah, it becomes like a religion with him where he can't like, if you don't listen to reason, like, okay, it, it might've benefited him in their own personal experience, but for everybody that's had a positive experience with it, I, like, especially Keo, I, I, God, right. I, I'm on this, uh, Facebook group called, um, uh like it's a keto group basically and you want to see i don't i I need to leave it but some (laughs) of the threads some of the threads in there are like um i'm doing keto these are like and they're eating like they're just eating like pure like butter bacon cheese it's like dirty keto they've got their like like, they've got their like bacon butter um cream cheese and avocado smoothies yeah and um, they're like, I, I can't lose, I, I lost like seven pounds in one week and now I can't lose any more weight or I'm gaining weight. What am I doing wrong? Oh, no. And people, there's, there's like zealots in the comment section who are saying, oh, you mustn't be doing it right or um, you need to increase your fat. And it's like, no, no, just stop, just stop. <laughs> anyway. You need, you need to increase your calories. What? What? <laughs> oh, man. But they do outright, if you do outright deny like thermodynamics, um, they, just, they don't believe in calories uh, in this specific group. They don't believe in calories in versus calories out. I had to pass. <laughs> I had to pass a quiz to get in there. Um, anyway, anyway, and I had to like lie. I had to like lie about. Anyway, let's not go into it. It's a um, funny group. There's obviously there is exceptions to the rule for some specific medical conditions um, mm-hmm. where you don't want to. You don't want to fight the laws. The laws of thermodynamics, or it's specifically required that you eat like that. Um, which is completely fine, don't get me wrong. That's not really what we're referring to, more referring to the average person who doesn't need keto, but they do it anyway because they think it's healthy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or the ideal way to lose weight, like any fad diet will target itself at an audience for. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, I, I, <clears throat> I don't miss the days of low carb, that's for sure. I don't Actually, I don't know if I... I don't know if I've ever really spoken about it with you, but... Um, before I started my food Instagram, I was like a big advocate for carbs make you fat and sugar makes you fat and all that sort of shit. Mm-hmm. Um, so, th- so usually my breakfast would be like a like a ham and cheese omelet, or maybe bacon if I was feeling a bit extra, you know, a bit extra keto that day. Um, mm-hmm. Lunch would nine times out of ten be steak and veggies, no like chips and no anything like that, just steak and veggies. And dinner would nine times out of ten be the same thing, or it would be like a chicken breast stuffed with feta and whatever else I could stuff in a chicken breast. Um, 
Now, that's usually what it would be. And in all honesty, I was probably consuming no more than about 15 to 1600 calories at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, which is obviously for someone that was doing what I was doing. So I was doing like six days worth of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, six days at the gym, averaging 25 to 30,000 30, steps a day, um, working two jobs. It uh, was not sustainable. So I had a, a lot of very rapid weight loss where I lost like 18 kilos in the space of about 10 weeks. Um, and obviously that's not sustainable, but then it started affecting my mood because evidently I wasn't eating enough. I was feeling like absolute shit. And it got to the point where I actually had a car accident because I couldn't stay awake behind the behind the wheel. Because um, you were that, just so exhausted. Yeah, I was just I was just exhausted. Um, it was the twenty seventh of December, twenty eighteen. I think it was. Bloody hell! So not that long ago. Not long ago at all. Um, yeah, so twenty seventh of December, twenty eighteen, <clears throat> over Christmas, I ate like just like lean ham and um, like cucumber. It was pretty much mm-hmm. like my Christmas. I didn't like I didn't quote unquote cheat on my diet or do anything like that over Christmas. I was like, nah, all or nothing. I'm just gonna stick at it. I can do it. I can do it. I can do it. Got through the other side, and then yeah, it was like four o'clock in the afternoon. I'm driving the work truck, and although well, I say this work truck, it was just like a Ute or a utility vehicle, um, fell asleep behind the wheel, ran straight out the back of another car. Bloody hell. And did you, when you said you didn't cheat over Christmas, was that because you demonized carbs so much that you just like convinced yourself that you couldn't eat them? Yeah, 100%. I was like, I, I wouldn't have like a singular chip. I wouldn't have like a single teaspoon of sugar in my coffee or my or my. Uh, tea I wouldn't have any milk in my coffee at all um, whether it was skim soy almond oat normal milk like nothing I wouldn't have anything like that I was just black coffee through and through double espresso just out of interest how did you because the problem is with the keto diet you've got you've got people that call themselves experts but they're just salads but they sound very convincing um, they've sometimes they've got like a um a medical degree or like a scientific background and they do come across like really convincingly did you were you absorbing information from like particular um sort of influences in the field or was it like research you'd done online or do you know what i think it was at the time um keto was quite quite fatty at the time like it was yeah. it was fairly it was, that and intermittent fasting seemed to have popped up at the same time and they were very very prominent in everyone else in everyone's face basically um, so at the time I, I just Googled, you know, how do you lose weight? And sure enough, first thing that popped up, keto. Oh, okay, I can do that. And it, it does sound appealing because it's like, oh, I can eat all the steak I want, all the like protein that I want. Well, not all, but obviously protein that I want. I can eat all the fat and, and you associate fat as being like, like people associate fat with like donuts and pizzas, but the reality is like if you're only in the macronutrient of fat and protein, you are very limited. I mean, yeah. cutting out carbs is just not good. It was, yeah, it was the first like, I'm, don't get me wrong, I'm not promoting this at all, but like the first sort of week, two weeks were quite difficult. Um, but after that, it was, it was pretty smooth sailing. Like I just got used to it. <laughs> Just like anything, I guess. Like you, you said, you went through prep, and like it was hard. Oh, sorry, that season where you did like nine shows, um, you just sort of adjusted to it, and it became your life. Mm-hmm. 
It's exactly what I did with my with my food. Yeah. Um, evidently, I'm not like that now because I put a, a full day of eating up on TikTok the other day. Um, go on, how did it and, go? <laughs> and someone commented, I, I think I had 320 grams of carbs. And people were like, you're not going to get anywhere eating that amount of carbs. I was like... <sighs> I was like, oh, I'm, I'm already lean. <laughs> yeah, what, where, what where else do you need to go? <laughs> what are you talking about? Um, like, oh yeah, you're gonna get, you're gonna get nowhere fast. What? What? Actually, what? these carbs will make me fast. I've done it without carbs, and I'm not fast. <laughs> and I felt sluggish, and I felt like absolute shit. Yeah, I can, I can relate a little bit. We'll, we'll move past this. But in my, um, in the first season, one of the guys. Um, so I didn't in 2014 I didn't look I didn't I hadn't educated myself at that point it was actually that season is what led me to really educate myself on nutrition and, and training but nutrition especially uh, because I had such a torrid time of it um, but a guy in the gym that used to compete back in the early 90s he told me to cut out all carbs uh, he pretty much told me to cut out all fats and the last the last seven weeks before the show because I did the permabulk beforehand, I had left myself with too much weight to lose. So seven weeks out, I was like, right, <laughs> I've still got a lot of weight to lose. Literally every day, I was doing two hours, two hours of cardio a day. Not intense because I didn't, I couldn't bring myself to do it intensely. But I was doing two hours of cardio a day. I was training five times a week, and all I would eat every uh, every two to three hours, I was eating a two hundred gram chicken breast or an unflavoured protein shake and that was it for seven weeks oh man um, that sounds horrible yeah uh, so that's why I binged after the show and put on like three stone in two months and then started prep again if I'm honest mate especially with the first time show um, I'd have done probably exactly the same thing if I you know didn't have a coach yeah yeah, and that's exactly my experience. That's exactly what um, exactly what happened. Man, that's hard. Um, we're going to stay in the past and just throw a little question at you. If you I could go back past. and give eighteen-year-old Dean any advice, what would you tell yourself? Definitely, at that time, it would have been, and this isn't to plug myself or anything, but it would have <laughs> been to source, if not a coach, just somebody in the field as like a mentor or just somebody that I could learn from who wasn't in the gym I was training at who just told me to do like stupid things um <laughs> yeah it would it would have been to make an investment in myself and find a coach because that would have when I was making little baby steps for years I would have been making giant leaps forward and it would have just um it would have saved me a lot of pain and effort and a lot of years spinning my wheels effectively um so yeah, definitely invest invest in a coach or a mentor or just just somebody that's trusted a trusted source of information. Where you're learning from, I will 100% back that because I have very similar advice for myself. Um, if I were to go back, you know, do don't don't think you already know something. Get someone that actually knows. But obviously, yeah. like before before you do hire anyone or before you do get a coach or anything like that do your research make sure your goals align with theirs because obviously that's very very important there's no point there's no point going to like a quote unquote weight loss specialist when all you want to do is build as much muscle as humanly possible um they'll still have the they'll still have the same qualifications and they'll still be able to help you but it's not their prerogative 
Mm-hmm. So to speak, anyway. Um, I would say, um, just touching on that, they say, they say in a gym setting, before somebody hires a personal trainer, they observe them. Uh, they observe how they are with other clients or they observe how, how they act in the gym themselves. And you should do the same thing with a coach. You shouldn't just, you shouldn't just let, find somebody's post and it's, it's something like really eye-catching or they've got like some like incredible transformation with a client. Actually, just follow the coach for a couple of months, observe what we like, how they interact with people, and then decide whether they're going to be the right fit for you. Because as much as, as much as um, the coach, well, the coach and client relationship should be harmonious. You know, it needs to fit both ends. Yeah, couldn't agree more. I think this is why we have such a good relationship as far as coach-client goes, because we're both we're both awesome. No, because um, yeah. we both have. Um, I think we both, for the most part, have similar uh, approaches to diet and nutrition. Kind mm-hmm. of, um, I'm probably, I'm not as cons- nowhere near as consistent at all. Um, and training as well. Like you're the only person I've I've spoken to who starts their training week on a Friday. <laughs> yeah, it's weird how um, <laughs> even that aligned. But yeah, like like it is. Uh, sorry, it is a good a good example. Um, our ideologies align quite nicely, and that's that's how it should be, in my opinion. Yeah, definitely. That that coach to client relationship should be almost exactly like that. Um, I'm not saying we're the perfect couple, but you know. If anyone wants to do, any, do an interview on us, yeah, no worries. Now, <laughs> um, yeah, just one one last quick question before we actually get into like the um, listeners' questions. Mm-hmm. Were there any influential people around when you started bodybuilding, or or did you mainly do it just to try and beat more people up at judo? Yeah, it's mainly it was mainly motivated from um, just trying to. I don't even know who I was trying to impress, but um, no. Uh, yeah, the main motivation to get bigger and to start training was judo, but also I think my dad was always a big influence on me. Um, my dad was um, so he 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 basically worked abroad all well, he still works abroad now, but he's basically worked abroad all my life. But he was in the forces when he was younger, uh, and he so there's like a meme, but this reminds me of it. it my dad's got better genetics than me. And it's like, I got my dad's worst genetics and my mum's worst genetics <laughs> together. But anyway, my dad was, um, my dad was probably more jacked than me when he was, uh, when he was 19, when he was in the forces, uh, and he wasn't even lifting weights. He, he like, he represented the, uh, he represented the army, uh, for rugby. Um, uh, so he was like, he had like a background in rugby. So he was always like a, a bigger bloke if you like. Um, but yeah, sorry, he was, he was the influence as well. Um, just trying to, I think just trying to get his approval more than anything, um, you just want, you just um, so, want your dad to tell you that he's proud of you. Yeah, it's still not happened, but uh, one day, one day, <laughs> touch wood. He's a military man, mate. What do you expect? <laughs> no emotion. <laughs> All right, now uh, we'll sort of wind the general the general sort of gist of the podcast down there because obviously we've been speaking now for quite a while um, and it's getting late now. Dean's probably absolutely starving. So we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll dive into some, um, into some listener questions here. Now, the first one is um, quite a serious one, and then we'll take it back with a couple of relaxing ones. This one is from uh, Anthony Vialancis. Now, he sent me a message, and I was like, you know what, I I have the perfect person who I'll ask this to, um, and obviously that was going to be you. So, let's see. He says, um, 
I've been using MyFitnessPal for a while now, one year plus, finding myself not at my desired body fat. I've gone from 85 kilo to 68 kilo in the last four years. My goal is to be shredded with abs, but mentally it's tough. My deficit has been long and nothing seems to be budging anymore. I notice I'm binging often now, one to two times a week, and if anything, it's putting me in a slight surplus for the week. How do I go about focusing on maintenance for a while until my body and mind can reset from that diet mentality? Do you recommend continue using my fitness pal until I consistently work on maintenance, or do you think I just focus on intuitive altogether and scrap it and just listen to body? Would love to hear your thoughts. Okay, Tony. I hope you don't mind me calling you Tony. Um, first off, congratulations and well done on losing the weight and keeping it off for the most part. Um, what I would say, if you find that you're binging at the moment, that's a sign that you, your food focus is obviously very high. Um, your hunger signals are out of whack and you're doing something that's not sustainable. In this particular context, I wouldn't suggest trying to eat intuitively because you do need to recover. I think you've been, you've probably been dieting for, you've been dieting for too long a period of time. So you do need to recover from a diet, whether that's a period of maintenance or possibly a period of, of like a small surplus. Um, because if your end goal, if you still want to lose, if you've still got body fat to lose, I know the thought of entering a surplus probably sounds counterintuitive, but it's an example where, uh, or a scenario where you've got to take one step back to make two steps forward. Um, eating intuitively, I think would be, uh, excuse the pun, but a recipe for disaster, just because if you're binging already, if you were to eat intuitively, your hunger signals are clearly too high. So it's going to, you, you'll probably just, you might fall into a trap of binge eating, um, or just over consuming calories uh, in this in this sort of regard, in this sort of scenario. Um, so yeah, sorry, without having the full context, I would definitely either enter a period of maintenance or a small surplus, carry on tracking your body weight, uh, reduce your expenditure if you can, increase your calories, and when you're maintaining body weight, focus and pay attention to your energy levels going up, uh, sleep possibly improving, energy in the gym going up, uh, performance in the gym increasing. And then once you feel like you've gotten to a point where you've eradicated the diet fatigue, you haven't got food focus, then think about cutting again. Uh, but yeah, definitely some form of maintenance or surplus. Perfect. Perfect. I, um, when I did pretty similar to what this, uh, absolute gentleman is doing, um, I'm going to say that again because that sounded really retarded. Um, when I did the same thing that Anthony was doing as far as like the binging and stuff, I did exactly the opposite of what Dean just recommended um, and it was incredibly difficult. I just stopped tracking, tried to eat intuitively and yeah, it was it was very hard. It was very hard. Um, it, sorry, intuitive eating. Um, intuitive eating, it's, it's gotten very popular but once you've gone through a period of tracking it's more it's not really intuitive it's more mindful mindful yeah 100 percent um and i think and i think just that's that's my one caution with it even though he could be mindful with it because because he's binging at the moment he'll it's a scenario where you might convince yourself that oh i need to eat intuitively so you might you might think right this is what i need to eat but you might just end up eating highly palatable foods and then over consuming them because they are easy to over consume 
put on weight too quickly and it, psychologically it'll be a very difficult um you'll be in a very difficult position if you do it yeah oh it's it, that is literally exactly how it is um i don't in, in saying that though i don't regret doing it the way i did um because i think mm-hmm. it really taught me a lot especially about myself mm-hmm. however there definitely would have been more uh, better strategic ways to go about it as you've just mentioned um yeah mo- We'll jump into the next one here. Um, now, this one is from Mr. Glenn Mango. Now, for those who don't know, Glenn Mango is an absolute menace to society. Um, <laughs> and he has probably probably the cutest dog in the world. Yeah, which, I can attest to it. Yeah, which leads into the question, when are you getting a dog? So, hopefully, not many of your listeners will know Glenn, I don't think. Hopefully they will. I hope but they Glenn, do because he's absolutely class. Yeah, he is. He's amazing. Um, Glenn, um, Glenn's been. We've been following each other for a couple of years, um, and pretty much ever since we introduced, well, got introduced to each other, he's been asking me when I'm getting a dog. Um, <laughs> the, so, I think I've been in a house for a year. Um, I've got a fairly stable job. I can't really leave the UK because of a certain situation globally at the moment. So maybe, maybe I'll get a dog soon. Um, but yeah, Zach, you touched on it last time, but I want to give you Glenn a shout out because his food, um, his in particular, his scrambled egg and po- sorry, scrambled egg, uh, avocado toast with poached egg, just and his his waffles, his French toast, everything looks French amazing. Toast. His French toast gets uh, me every time. Yeah, so Glenn, if you listen to this, please invite me around because I, just for a full day of eating. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't even care if it's hitting my macros. I just want yeah. the food. Please. <laughs> but yeah, um, maybe maybe, uh, maybe in a couple of months I might get a dog. Sounds like a plan. Sounds like a plan. Um, as long as, are you, is it going to be a small dog or a big dog? Medium size. It would yeah. be a uh, staffy. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I've got a staff. Yeah, we spoke about this because I've got my little staffy. He's the yes. best. He actually. Um, I'll, I'll have See, to send you even, some videos of how aggressive he is. We even like the same dogs. Yeah, he's the best. I, when I when I say I send you a video of how aggressive he is, I mean how yeah, aggressive no, like he sarcastic. absolutely isn't. Um, yeah. He just he just when he plays, he sounds very aggressive, and I think it like turns a few people away. <laughs> 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 Sorry about that. Um, next question is from Paul, Paul is it Paul O'Souza or Paulo Souza? Do you want, I don't know. Anyway, it's from um, Zero Paulo Souza who said current macros and steps. Um, yeah, so just for context, I'm in a gaining phase at the moment. I'm aiming for um, roughly about 1% of body weight per month. Uh, macros, roughly. I. I try, okay, I'll, I'll just say what they are. Uh, it's about 210 grams of protein, uh, 400 grams of carbs, and about 50 grams of fat. So calories, calories are about 3,000, very, very about. Uh, and steps are 8,000 a day. And I could, I could reduce them a little bit, but I just, it, it's, it's like, otherwise I'd be stuck indoors all day. So it's just a good excuse to, to actually get, go out and get some fresh air. It's quite a comfortable uh, number as well. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely like, in in terms of when I go into prep, I know I can increase that by quite a lot if I need to. Yeah, you'd nearly double that in your in your prep, wouldn't you? 
Yes, yeah, yeah, I would do. Certainly towards the end, yeah. Legend. Um, <laughs> I'll leave. I'll leave the best question for last. I'll just I'll throw two at you that I have here. Um, yeah. What does success look like to you? I think success is when when you're aiming towards when you're aiming towards a goal, which is purposeful and during during the pursuit of sorry during the pursuit of the goal uh you're gaining responsibility it's something meaningful something where you can contribute to like society in a positive way and something that you're passionate about so it, in a roundabout way something that makes you happy but is also productive as well yeah love that um I think, I think happiness is heavily slept on for success. I, there are there are a lot of people who are like, who are like yeah, I'll, I'll be successful when I own my business and I'm and I've got loads of money and I drive my Lamborghini and live in my mansion and I'm like, I don't know if that'll make you very happy. <laughs> no, no, because they're all they're all external goals and they're not necessarily something that's gonna get, like. It's not something that you're working inwardly about. Um, it, they're all like, um, what's the word? Like objective things. But, yeah, um, they're all materialistic. Mit- yeah, that's what I wanted to say. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of nuts. Um, next question, again, from myself, because I just really wanted to ask this. If you could be remembered for one thing, what would you like it to be? I would say... It's going to sound so like corny or cliche. But just that had a net a net positive uh, impact on people, um, and I guess it, everybody would say something similar. I think, uh, but just that I had a positive impact you know, on people, people that I interacted with, or people that I knew personally. Um, yeah, nothing. I wouldn't say I want to achieve anything. Like I'm quite a modest person, really. Um, so it's it's not like any world records to be broken or being a bodybuilding champion just just to have a positive uh, positive impact um just touching on the world record thing i do think you have most pizzas in a week covered so yes uh, so i've already got the guinness yeah yeah that's yeah, so that's fine anyway most, you've already, you've already most pizzas in a week <laughs> and uh positively eating them <laughs> um and final question now i've seen this gentleman's handle pop up uh, i don't know how many times a lot and you could probably guess so who it is a migraine <laughs> Um, this is this is a question from Ash, aka David Squattenbrough. Now, before I get into the question, that is probably the best Instagram handle I've ever seen in my entire life. David Squattenbrough is phenomenal. Um, anyway, into the question: How many hours a day, on average, is healthy regarding masturbation? Uh, I hate this guy. <laughs> right. So, first off. I'm not going to dignify that with a response. Um, all I'm going to say, I'm going on record now. I've got a folder in my phone. It's got nearly a thousand, uh, a thousand images, and it's all screenshots and evidence of this individual terrorizing me. And any day now, I'm going to hand it over to the police. <laughs> so It's stalking and for, intimidation. <laughs> yeah, for legal reasons, I'm not going to respond to him. Like I never do. Uh, all I can say is, if anybody, uh, if anybody 
speaks to this person regarding me, anything that comes out of his mouth is a lie. <laughs> and that's it. Um, I actually do have one extra question here, which mm-hmm. uh, I almost... Oh, thank God, because I did not want to end on it. There, <laughs> go on, go on. <laughs> which I almost completely forgot about. Um, this, this one is from Chunky Elmo, um, which is, again, an awesome Instagram handle. Should I come out of retirement? Right, so for the listeners, Chunky Elmo is somebody that lives locally to me. Uh, he's one of my, uh, I would say, personal friends. He's a little bit older than me. When he was younger, he won the junior Mr. Wales title. Now, this, that was about 25 years ago. And um, he still, for a while, I think his Instagram handle used to be junior Mr. Wales. Um, he still tries to bring it up in conversation. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like <Jay laughs> Long story like short. Like Jay from the Inbetweeners. Yeah, yeah. So, Except he actually yeah, he did sh- the thing. He should come out of his 25-year hiatus and he should compete again. And I'm going to, one day I'm going to get him back up on the stage. It's now, he's gone from, he's skipped all the competitive years. He's gone from juniors to over 50s. To masters. But, but yeah, juniors to masters and nothing in between. But we're going to get him out of retirement. So I'd actually love to hear about the thought process that went into why he didn't choose to keep competing. Um, maybe I'll DM him. Yeah, you should. <laughs> yeah, because I don't know whether you follow each other, so it will it'll be uh, even better. Just a, just a really spontaneous DM from some <laughs> strange person in Australia. I'll, I'll make it even better and I'll DM him from like my personal account. Yeah, so, was, so we just not even know there's any connection. Yeah, exactly. And I'll just change my profile picture to like a silhouette so, <laughs> and then change my handle to use at 2333487. Awesome. All right, Dana, I think we'll wind down here because um, we've been, wow, we've been chatting for well over an hour now. Yeah, up. In, in all fairness, it feels like 30 seconds. So, you know, that's what she said. Um, perfect. No, thank you so much for everyone for tuning in. And thank you so much for Dean, who has willingly jumped on here. I didn't have to force him or hold him at gunpoint, which I had to do with the other guests, which is always nice. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, thanks so much for coming on, Dean. No, my pleasure. And um, what was I going to say there? I can't remember. Oh, yeah. Um, where can the people find you on Instagram? Of course, yeah. So it's, um, I don't have any particular like handle about coaching. It's just Dino110. Um, and yeah, just give me a follow on there. I'll try and post some informative content from time to time. Um, but yeah, yeah. Do you know what? The man actually has the most aesthetic grid. Um, it's one of the first things I noticed when I followed you actually but anyway we'll talk about that later thanks so much for tuning in guys I know there's tens of thousands of podcasts out there and you chose to sit down and listen to me talk someone else's ear off for the last over an hour uh, which is phenomenal to me so thank you so much for the support thanks for listening and I'll talk to you in the next one